millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Hello. Noticed anything different about me? Nope, I can't see anything different at all. Watch this. New shoes. Wearing boots. Now, usually it's a shoe, shoes off house, but my yes. wife bought me these boots for Christmas. Mm. And I'll be honest, getting them off is such a palaver. Getting oh, them boots. on and off, yeah. If you can't tread down the back of the heel and pull it off hands-free, not really interested in those <laughs> shoes. Not really interested in yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I really like them. I think that it's a beautiful pair of boots. Mm. But what is weird about it is I feel like I'm not a boots guy. Right. I've got my little dinky booties. <laughs> you know, my sort of pointy, pointy boots. But the, these are quite manly. Chunky. Yes. Mm. We went in the late autumn, we went to a farm where you can pick your own vegetables. Mm -hmm. And to do that, I found an old pair of, in the snow boots, really. Mm. But I wore them and my wife, I think, really liked a more macho look on me. (laughs) And now is trying to groom me. (laughs) What next? Because most of the time I am wearing pumps. Yeah. I basically look like an overgrown primary school child, which I know we all are in one sense, but um, I, I dress as if I was at primary school a lot of the time, I think. You favour a light pump. I do favour favor yeah, a light yeah. pump. Mm. Um, and I think she, she's trying to give me something a bit more masculine. Lumberjack shirt next. This is it. This is what I was thinking. What else? She, she said buying me this, these boots was the equivalent of a man buying his wife lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't think it's having quite that effect but, uh, without going into too much detail. So, so yeah, that's that's why I've got shoes on indoors. Mm. Combination of my, my you wife. can't be able to take them off? Yes. Wow. Will you take them off for bed? Well, I'll have to. Oh, good. Thank goodness. Okay, okay. Good. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to start this week by telling you about something weird that happened to me in the park the other day. Okay. I was in the park with my son and at some point he soiled himself. Okay, sorry for laughing. Oh, it's the bane of my life at the moment. Is it? Was it a wee? No. Oh wow! Yeah, did he? Yeah. So he's... like father, like son. <laughs> this is. I mean, you, since you brought it up, <laughs> we, we're having a lot of accidents in our family at the moment. He he's having a lot of accidents. Yeah. And 
were really struggling, and I think everybody does with kids this age, but he's a bit on the old side for it, we're really struggling to get him to go at the loo. He knows. Mm-mm. And if, for example, we're just in our living room and he hasn't got, he's, he's a nudie doody or nudie from the waist down, mm. he'll always go and sit on the potty or go to the toilet. Right. If it involves going to the effort of pulling his pants down, <laughs> he will more often than not just go in his pants. Right. And we're sort of struggling with that a little bit at the moment. But at the same time, I don't want him to feel bad about having accidents. Mm. So my big thing that I say to him is, look, I know you're going to get there and I'll be so proud of you. I'm so proud of you every time you go to the toilet. I'm so proud of you. And, um, yeah, it'd be great to have no more accidents. But you just do what you do. I'm proud of you every day and I'm really proud of you when you go to the toilet. Oh, Jeff, and, then, nice. and then, of course, I always like give him some chocolate or something if he goes on the toilet to... Okay grease the wheels so to speak yeah anyway <laughs> we're, way, we're way off tangent here but um anyway the the other day i passed some gas mm-hmm. that i misjudged oh god and there was a little don't, don't say anything else okay mm-hmm. and i was with him at the time <laughs> oh, god. yeah so I said to him, Gene, Gene. No, you didn't. said, look, Daddy's had a little accident. We all have accidents sometimes. Even Daddy's have a little ac- had a little accident. <laughs> and he sort of looked at me with disgust. Like, this, this understanding, like, hang on, I'm a kid. I understand yeah. that kids have accidents. Yeah, you're but, grown up. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that wasn't what I was going to say. So he'd Oh, wow, it. that wasn't it. Okay, oh, keep no, going. No, you nudged me towards that. I didn't. I, I totally did. didn't. So we were in the park. It was when you said, like, father, like, son. Right. Right. We're in the park. He'd soiled himself, so I had to take him into the toilets mm. to begin the clean-up operation. And at this point, I've always got spare trousers and underpants, which I should have for myself, but I always <laughs> have them for, for him. Okay. So we're in this toilet cubicle. It's disgusting in there because it's a toilet in a park. Mm. It's one of these... I don't know what it is with, with a certain type of public toilet, but the first thing to go seems to be the seat. Right, yeah. So you're just directly on the porcelain when, mm. when you're in there. So, you know, he's really working on his... Would it be his upper arm strength? Right, <laughs> He's okay. got both hands keeping him upright while he's on there. So so I, I, I begin the... And and they they have football games in that park, so the floor is all muddy like a football team has been through. It's it's horrible. It wasn't a nice day. Mm. So I'm in there. I'm on all fours on a filthy toilet floor, wiping my son clean. Right. And I hear what I quickly understand to be the park keeper come in. And he says, "Uh, we're closing now. Right. Do you not think that is a very weird thing to say? Because it's not like a now. pub. Right. Like when you're in a pub, you know, you're thinking, oh, I just really enjoy and have my drink. I just want to stay a bit longer and finish my drink. <laughs> oh, Nobody yeah. is on all fours no, no. dilly-dallying. <laughs> Nobody's on a toilet floor just thinking, oh, how can I drag this out a bit longer? Yeah. That, that was an insane thing to say. You were so right, yeah. That, that, was, uh, that was what I was going to mention there. And then um, <laughs> the, the other thing I was going to talk about at the beginning of the podcast this week, uh, while we're at it, Mm. is Gene had, again, he had a little accident in his underpants shortly before bed the other night. Mm. And and it wasn't a soilage accident, it was the other. Okay. Just a seepage, a bit of seepage. Okay. So um, a strip, strip him down so he's topless, uh, sorry, he's bottomless. He's Mm. got his jumper on and nothing the waist down. And then I'm cleaning him. And because it's gone all in his underpants, it's all around his private area. 
Right. So I've got a wet wipe and he's refusing to go into the bathroom and let me clean him properly with a soap and water and towel. Mm. So what I'm doing is trying to remove any sort of smell of wee mm-hmm. from his crotch area. Mm-hmm. So as I'm dabbing away at his crotch area, mm. he starts shouting, danger, danger, <gasps> danger, danger. No. Yes. Where does he got that from? Well, I'm wondering if they have, you know, in what would only it only be a good thing, I guess, at nursery <laughs> said something like, if anybody ever touches you there, <laughs> the thing to shout out is danger, danger. Danger, danger, though. <laughs> Do they, danger, said, danger. <laughs> I, said to, I said to him, where, where have you got that from? And he said, Paw Patrol. But I mean, I don't... <laughs> I don't. I don't think it is Paw Patrol. <laughs> I. I think it's more likely that than nursery saying to tell him to say danger, danger. I think they say things like speak to your mum or dad, like don't shout danger, danger. I, don't I know. think it'd be a good technique. Really? Do you not think? Uh, I, I haven't seen Paw Patrol for a while either, so I. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it'd be quite a plot, tr- plot <laughs> twist. Before we get on to correspondence from drifters, I just want to say that when I became a father, one of my great fears was going on about it in a boring way on the radio or on the podcast. Because I I know that when you have a kid, you're biologically programmed to think everything they do or say is really cute or interesting or funny or whatever. And I think it's very easy to lose perspective on what other people will find interesting as a rule of thumb i think your kid is the most interesting thing in the world to you and pretty much no one else Mm -hmm. i think that that's a fair rule of thumb yes so with that in mind i'm feeling slightly uncomfortable about the fact that i've just been going on about stuff for i think five minutes i think you were on safe ground it it kind of wasn't children don't kids say the darndest things i don't think anyway Mm. it was a story of crawling around on all fours on a filthy toilet floor and uh Kid shouting danger, danger as I tried to get the stench of urine <laughs> off his groin area. So I don't, I don't know if I, if I misjudged that. I only apologise. But yes, on to correspondence from Drifters. And the first one is from Emperor Joe McDonald from San Francisco. I am writing to you, Annabelle and Jeff, to help settle what I can only assume is the age-old argument of nature versus nurture when it comes to one's drifterness. Is one born a drifter? Or do life events turn one into a drifter? Hmm. Many years ago, and I do mean many, as I'm recalling a story from my teenage years and I'm fast approaching 60, I accompanied my parents on my first overseas trip to Europe. Please keep in mind that up to this point, I would have been considered a non-drifter, just a typical teenage boy from California, although maybe a tad sheltered. I was popular enough and went to all the dances, played sports, etc., One night on the European trip, we were in Austria and I went with my parents to a casino in Salzburg. I was so excited because in America, one needs to be 21 years old to even set foot in a casino. And I was only 17 at the time. Casinos were always magical, scary and intimidating places to me. Of course, this predates the Internet. So all I knew of casinos is what I'd seen in movies and television. My parents gave me some foreign coins and disappeared into the crowd to play baccarat with James Bond. Or so I imagined. (laughs) 
I was scared. Of course I didn't speak the language. I'm not even sure I knew at the time what the language was called. The signage was all in this weird language that had all the same letters but mixed up in an unintelligible manner. It even had some extra bits above some of the O's. After a while, I found a machine that looked like what I would call a slot machine back home. I timidly approached it and tried to make out the markings to no avail. Oh well, what the hell, I thought, and put the first of the money my parents gave me. And I won. The very first time I ever gambled in my life, and I won. I was beaming with pride. Not wanting to quit while I was ahead, I put in more money. The machine blinked and buzzed, and I won again. Two for two. Of course, I didn't know how much I won, as my ability to recognise Austrian money was at par with my ability to read the foreign signage. Anyways, long story short, I won five times in a row. I was on cloud nine, not believing my good fortune. I would put in money, the machine would blink, buzz, etc. And more money came out of the chute. As I kept winning, I started to get more excited to the point I was jumping up and down and making quite a scene. Here I was, this teenage boy from California, breaking the bank at this Austrian casino. There was now a crowd of locals gathered around me, excitedly pointing and cheering and laughing as I kept winning. (laughs) It was at this moment when my mum came over to see what the commotion was in the general vicinity she left her son. She then spoke the words that forever had been etched in my brain and I'm convinced turned me into a drifter for life. She said, Joey, you're playing the change machine. (laughs) It was then I realised that all these strangers were not laughing and pointing with me, but at me. Argument sold. It's heartbreaking. That was the moment I became a drifter. I am drifted by nurture. I am a drifter for life. Oh, so good. Brilliant. I sort of had an idea of where it might be going, but beautifully told. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And this one is from Caroline. I used to catch the train to work in the centre of Manchester. Often I would have my work bag, my laptop bag and my gym gym bag to lug around. On this particular morning, I was weighed down like a pack horse but managed to get an aisle seat. However, the man in the aisle on the other side of the corridor had put his bag in the overhead luggage rack above me. Never mind, I stuffed my baggage under my seat and near my legs and got on with my commute. I was getting off at the Piccadilly station, which is the final stop, so everyone has plenty of time to gather their things to alight. But I like to get organised early so I can be the first at the doors when the train comes to a stop. So as the train was approaching, I began putting my Kindle away and taking off my headphones. And my rummaging must have alerted the man across from me that we were about to get to the station as he also got up to grab his luggage, which was over my head. In a masterstroke of timing, as I bent down to gather my bags at my feet, he reached up and at that point, my ponytail hair brushed his trousers and got stuck fast in the button pocket of his cargo strides. (laughs) For the next, what felt like a couple of hours, but it was probably more like 30 seconds, my head was stuck right in his crotch. In an attempt to release it, I pulled and pushed and tried to release my hair with my hands before realising how this looked to the other by now smirking commuters. (laughs) The whole time I felt it necessary to say things like, huh, could have taken me to dinner first. Another... (laughs) Another... It's a classic. (laughs) Another awkward attempt to make light of the situation we found ourselves in. The man was very kind and just said, hold still, I'll have you free in a second, but didn't laugh at my attempts at humour and remained earnest throughout (laughs) eventually i managed to free my hair i was puce in the face and for reasons i cannot explain bellowed well that'll be 30 pounds please (laughs) 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 whilst laughing manically 
no one else did. <laughs> Needless to say, I caught the earlier train to work from then on, as I would rather stand outside my place of work in the cold, waiting for the keyholder to turn up, than risk ever running into the man or any other commuters on the 718 to Piccadilly. I often think back to that moment on the train and a little piece of me dies each time. <laughs> I tell you what, I love stories about trying to make light of the situation and it going wrong. Oh, yeah. You're trying to make a joke yes. of it and it falling flat. Oh, yeah. I love more of yeah, those. Well, there we go. There, there is a note for you if you're mm. thinking uh, of um, areas for stories to email in. Yeah. That... Trying to make light of a situation and it going wrong. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Uh, the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs> Annabelle, let's have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Part 47. My complete denial about how the passing of years also advances my age. <laughs> I'm going to say now, with no shame at all, that I am watching Winter Love Island. And the reason why I'm watching it and the reason why I have no shame is that I just love it. And I know people think it's shameful to watch it as over the last two weeks, whenever I'm with my son at playgroup, I'll hear one parent say to another in very hushed tones, do you watch Love Island? And then if they do, they stand talking quietly while looking guilty, like what they're actually talking about is Mein Kampf or something like that. <laughs> so I know that it, it should be a shameful thing. Are you in the resistance or <laughs> that? Like... <laughs> it's a bit like that. Yeah. they really like very hushed tones. And I know there are some things about Love Island that are problematic. And I have to say, it did really affect me once when I had a big argument with my boyfriend about which one of us would be more likely to get on Love Island. And I was annoyed that he thought it would definitely be him, mm. even though he's right. And, ev <laughs> and everyone in there is pretty much a different species to me. Like, I feel for me, it's like watching life on Pluto or something. That's why I like it. But there is one thing that I thought I had in common with them. While I knew we weren't the same age, like because obviously they're all under 30, usually early 20s, I know they're younger, I want to make that clear. But in my head... Younger in the way that a friend's younger brother is younger, not generations younger. Right. Even though if I force myself to think more deeply about this, they are 20 years younger. Some of them are actually 20. So they could be just about technically my grandchildren. <clears throat> but I don't force myself to think about this. I live in denial, a pathetic denial. So this is my state of mind when I'm watching last week. They're playing a game where they have to guess which guy has slept with the oldest woman in the past. And it turns out that it's Callum, 23, as he has slept with a woman of 41. And I immediately think, well, that's not that old. I thought it was going to say 60. I mean, that's just three years younger than me. And then I noticed the other contestants' reactions. Oh, my God. It's like he's been with a 93-year-old. <laughs> They're all shocked and disgusted and going, oh, you pervert, you deviant. Like, if they relentlessly mock him. But I'm thinking... Oh, but 41 is younger than me. Oh, are we not all just the same age-ish? <laughs> I was on my own watching it and I actually felt embarrassed. And then last night, I was cooking dinner in the kitchen and I was heating something in the saucepan and I could smell gas really strongly and I could hear it, like the hiss of it. And it was obviously a gas leak. So I went and got my boyfriend and I said, I'm pretty sure there's a gas leak in the kitchen. Can you come and smell it? And he came in and it very, very quickly emerged that, yes, there was a gas leak from the gas hob that I turned on but not ignited and was standing there cooking over pure unlit gas. <laughs> and my boyfriend looked at me like I was 108 <laughs> and he was my carer and I probably shouldn't be allowed to cook anymore. So now I'm definitely applying for Love Island next year. <laughs> and now your boyfriend Tom has put in one of those little cords if you, in case you need to call the warden oh, if you have a fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, here's one before we uh, get on with stuff. Um, we were around at the house of some friends, mm-hmm. not last Sunday, but the Sunday before. And good, good friends, got on with them both, knew the wife for many years. She then met the man who is now her common-law husband, the father of her child, really like him. One thing I really like about him is on the outside, he looks cool and like, you know, like... like He's in the top stratosphere of human beings. He's good looking. He's tall. Uh, he looks, you know, he's diff- different to how I look, if you know what I mean. Almost like he's a different species. You know that picture of the evolution of man? <laughs> he looks like he's the fully upright one. <laughs> and I look like I'm one or two notches back from that. Okay. Anyway, but on the inside, he feels like us. He's a real sort of drifter on the inside, and that's why we have a good connection. My wife is very obsessed with my weight at the moment, not because she finds me any less attractive. She is very at pains to point out, but because she doesn't want my health to suffer and for me to die young of a heart attack. So she, she has been encouraging me to take up some form of exercise. My counter to this is I hate exercise. It makes me feel miserable and like I'm going to die. It doesn't help my mental health. It just makes me feel miserable and in pain. Her counter to that is you're telling me that you are the only person on earth whose body doesn't release any endorphins (laughs) when you exercise. I'm saying I can only speak to my experience. I have tried exercising and I find it to be wretched. This is a sort of an ongoing conversation over a number of years in our marriage. Can I only imagine? Okay. Out of the blue, this friend suggests that he and I should go and play squash. Oh. Now, I'm amazed that you didn't just, like, burst out laughing at the thought of me playing squash. I was holding it in very, very politely. (laughs) (laughs) When you think of two guys playing squash, he sort of fits the bill. Right. I I think of two corporate lawyers who work hard. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You always see it in films where it's, yeah, it's two businessmen. Yeah. Yeah, they're letting off a lot of aggression. Yeah. I mean, I am not at the stage of physical fitness where I could play table tennis, let alone squash. So I eventually sort of negotiate it down to, why don't we go for a nice long walk? That's quite some negotiating down. Well done. Thank you. Okay. And, And it was sort of with the understanding that, my wife is in my ear going, well, you can't just do it once. You're going to have to do it with some regularity. You know, you should be doing it four or five times a week. I'm saying, can we not just start with once a week? So she agrees to once a week. And, and sure enough, uh, my friend comes and knocks on for us, Aww. for me. Mm. It's just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Friday morning, we go for this walk. We have a lovely time. Mm, great. Uh, I'd say we're walking for... Uh, but the, Best part of three and a half hours. Oh, wow. That's a very long walk. Well, you know me. I like a walk around you the do, city. I don't like, do. I don't like a hike in the countryside, but mm. I do like to walk around the city. Um, and and that's, that's what we do. And we have great conversation. We you know, talk about the stuff of life, relationships, parenthood. Uh, we, we exchange stories, anecdotes thoughts on current bits of pop culture what's going on in the news it's it's a great walk and a great conversation i get he says goodbye at the end and i'm feeling quite good mm. i am then hit by terror mm. i feel that i've used up all my conversation oh. how can i ever go for a walk oh, with him again oh no yes that's it yeah you've done all your stories yes <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe there'd be something in the news this week. But the, so I used to work with you every day. You, yeah. uh, you, you were as close as I am to anybody who isn't my own family and closer than some members of my own family. <laughs> and when we worked together every day, mm. we'd be in silence a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, you do run out. I've got nothing to say to you. And three whole hours non-stop. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, a lot. As, as, I, I, as I say, like you, you, you're as close as family and mm. you come round here once a week mm. and we're at a point now where we sometimes talk for half an hour and maybe even an hour before we start recording or afterwards. But I haven't got more than that to say we to don't, you. We don't do three hours. No. No, we don't do three hours. Wow, yeah. What am I going to do? Oh, I, I mean, I have no answers for you. You expect me to give you an answer here? Well, if you're listening. I think, I think maybe forget about it. Yeah. yeah. What about squash? I'm torturing squash. <laughs> At least you don't have to talk. Come on. Here's what I think about squash. I think there is a, a level that the normal person who doesn't exercise is at mm. where they say, oh, I'm, I'm unfit, I don't exercise. Mm. And they think when I say, look, I'm, I'm not good at exercise, they think I'm at that level. Right. What they don't understand is I was the kid at school who not only was I picked last in PE and games lessons, but we were at a school where what they did, and I th- think it was probably a good thing, they would integrate... Uh, people with physical disabilities into some of the games <laughs> lessons and those people would get picked before me okay and and the, usually the person who did the picking you know you always I was the person you'd end up with on your team because there was only one person left right. and then I would get bullied off whoever was picking the team oh. that day because they felt so resentful that they had to have me on their team wow it all so, goes back a long way it, so I think to think that I would be capable of playing a game of squash yeah. at a level that any other human being that was capable of holding a squash racket would... At, at a level where it would even be a game, to yes. be honest yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, exactly And not just that. you missing, yes. missing, yeah. missing. Yeah. You see, you get me. Mm. You just get me. Let's go for a three-hour walk. Come on. <laughs> right, I was going to mention Patreon very quickly. Speaking of going for a walk, uh, we're, February is almost upon us. Oh, yeah, so we definitely do. Well, Fridays are good for me, so that could be one of your get-outs. You said, I can't do the walk this morning because I've got to go and do the Snesbrook tour. This is great. Yeah, so Fridays are, are very good. So just let me know when you're free. Okay. Should we sort it out afterwards? Free on, we'll, on the 7th, Annabelle. Let me just double check. Obviously, I've got to check that Tom's not working that day. Let me look in the joint calendar. The 7th. Ah. Oh. Hold on, hold on. No, it's fine. Great, let's do it then. I think, okay, I'll, I'll need to double check. I'll text you tomorrow. Why are you so scared of him? <laughs> I've just got to ask him. I can't just assume that he's going to take the day off work <laughs> for free. Okay. I'll just double check that yeah. he's definitely not working. And um, it'll only take an hour, won't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you're the one who's taken us for the walk. Oh, and have I planned it? <laughs> Plenty of time to. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, this is the, uh, the walk around Annabelle's neighbourhood with her pointing out various sites where... Notable events have happened to her. The climax is going to be, honestly, it's, it is, and you don't know anything about this. I've never no, told no, you about nothing. it. I've never shown you it. And it's something to look at and it's amazing. Great. Mm. Uh, so you're going to support us on Patreon. That's coming soon. Patreon.com stroke adrift. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's an old one for you. Yeah. I had an appointment with an accountant scheduled tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Late last night, I got an email from his secretary saying, I'm very sorry, uh, he won't be able to meet you as he's had to travel to Scotland due to a close family bereavement. Mm-hmm. Then the secretary used the broken heart emoji Ooh. and then wrote, please call this number and we can reschedule. Okay. Do you not fe- feel it is deeply, deeply odd? to use the broken heart emoji in that context, in a professional email. I, I don't know what's happening to the world, honestly. I don't know what we're supposed to do with these emojis. I don't know. Like it, it does feel a bit weird. I think... They're, more, email- of a fu- they're more of a fun thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just think... I don't want to be seeing an emoji in an email from my accountant's secretary. Oh, okay, even just that at all, yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yes. I also think like a close family bereavement is a terrible, terrible thing. Mm. And I'm not sure that a broken heart emoji does it justice. Doesn't strictly necessary either, is it? What <laughs> 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 you think? It's like, I'm just letting you know what the emotion is here. I think I can guess yeah. the emotion. <laughs> I don't really need you to tell me the emotion. Okay, okay, good. We talked about that. Mm. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is, I know this has come up on the podcast before now but on saturday we got one of those things through the door saying a parcel had been left at a neighbor's house oh right yeah now the two relevant bits of information are number one we were out all day so i didn't get the thing until the evening Mm -hmm. and then number two it's the people a few doors down who i would say don't like us Okay. Get very negative vibes from them. And and there are some details I could flesh this out with, mm. but they're a bit too weird in a certain way. Okay. So we get back on Saturday evening and I see this thing and I think, well, I don't really want to go and knock on their door in an evening. It's after it feels that but by the time I can go and do it, it's after an acceptable time to knock on somebody's front door. Mm-hmm. The next morning I get up, I pick the thing up. Um it's about eight o'clock and I have to go out and buy some ingredients because we've got some people coming around for lunch. I think I'll go and knock on their door. Mm. And then while I'm out, I think, oh, it's before nine mm. on a Sunday morning a bit early. Yes. So I don't go mm. and knock on the door. Mm-hmm. I think I'll go later. Right. At about half past ten, the guy rings our front doorbell. Mm. I answer it. He's holding the parcel. And I'll be honest, he looks aggrieved. Right. That I haven't already been round and picked it up. It's only the next day. I think so. But he really, you know, I was definitely getting an attitude from him. I think you've got a few days. Really? I honestly think you've got a few days. I mean, based on the fact that I I take a few days. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's fine. I I think we need to establish the exact amount of time. Mm. I would say 36 hours. Is that three days? (laughs) It's, it's less than two. Oh, I think yes. here's, here's, here's what I think. I don't think you want it. I don't think you want to be going into the third day. 
I'm a bit more flexible. I'm sorry, unless it's something huge, like it's a wardrobe yeah. or something like that. It was a book. A book. Oh, please! You can't put a book on a shelf for a three days. Come on! You're making me feel a lot better about yeah. myself. Uh, maybe we should do a Patreon special at some stage in the future when I tell the story of what's weird about the neighbours. Well, three days. We're, we're all desperate to know. So yes, please. Okay, coming soon. Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Who is the first one from? Distinguished Lord One-Armed Freddy. Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. How are you? I'm fine. I write to you seeking urgent help for a situation I find myself in right this very second, although given that the situation is manifesting on a train and the earliest response possible will be next Wednesday, I appreciate that I may not have selected the most appropriate medium. <laughs> I'm on a morning train from Wakefield to London. It departed 40 minutes ago at 8.30. I'm in a quiet coach. It has just occurred to me the lady sitting in front of me has been talking on her phone almost constantly since we departed. She is speaking quietly and the calls are to work colleagues and her children. She's certainly speaking less loudly than the man who took to the vestibule, great word, to bellow into his phone 20 minutes ago, but he did at least follow protocol. Now, I'm not really bothered by this. I'm not here to sleep or meditate, but I am the closest passenger to her. There is at least one empty seat between her and everyone else, but I'm directly behind. The problem is, I think I probably have a duty to the other passengers to point out that we're in a quiet coach. As a drifter, I'd obviously rather pull the emergency brake, run off into the fields and start a new life with woodland creatures. (laughs) What should I do? Do I owe everyone else in the coach? If it bothers them, should they just go over my head and raise it directly with her rather than expecting me to behave like a real person? How long can a human adult live off nuts and berries? Any help appreciated? Uh, I don't think it's your responsibility. Well, this is is the crux of the matter. Is Is it his job to do it? My, my instinct so. is I just think the most confident person has to do it and, yeah, they, and, yeah, they'll, yeah, yeah. and they'll know who they are. <laughs> yeah, because they won't be questioning it. Yeah. If it's bothering a confident person that much, yeah. then they'll just say something and it won't occur to them that they're breaching any kind of um, social contract. To st- yeah, it's it's fine. Leave with something like that. You have to leave it up to the confident person. Because if it's not bothering you, you shouldn't have to say anything for everyone else. What if it's not bothering anybody? Exactly. Then so it's fine. It's like, I think we've talked about the open window on the bus before now, haven't mm-hmm. we? And, you know, that that's a whole other conversation. But I don't think anybody who is not bothered by the cold air coming in uh, or anybody who's too hot, if it's the other way, um, needs to be worrying about the open open window. Right. It's only the people who are concerned. So yeah. if you are unconcerned, it's not your responsibility. You're not the captain. You know, it doesn't fall upon your shoulders to be the captain, the quiet coach, despite your proximity to her. I really enjoyed the stuff about the woodland creatures. Me by too. The way. Me too. It reminded me of a, a book I once read. Do you remember reading me reading that book by a Finnish author whose name I've forgotten, mm, mm. but he's very famous. It's called the The Year of the Hair yeah. or My Year of the Hair, which is about somebody who does pretty much that. It's a really good book. It's amazing. Although I was in the throes of a sort of breakdown when I read it, and I think I just really wanted to run into the forest and mm. live away with with the woodland creatures. So I strongly re- relate to that urge. Mm, mm, mm. You know, it's one I have frequently, mm. but I do recommend that book okay you read that book and pretend it's I, not happening you know I, I gave that book to you and then i got told off by some of your friends for giving it to you like they thought you were the sort of person who'd survive in a forest <laughs> like what they said to me like what if you go i really, I really think he's not going to do it i think i think we're all safe there like 
<laughs> I didn't know you gave me that book. I gave it to you, then I got told off. Oh, I love that book so mm, much. Okay. Yeah. Right, let's move on then to the next one. This is from Alice. I work in IT and just like the stereotype, I don't like talking to other people much, especially on the phone and especially people I don't know. Recently, I was looking for a tutorial on how to do something in one of the applications that we use. The link I found didn't work, so I emailed the product help desk asking them if they could help. I was sent an email back with the correct link. Great job done. In the end, I didn't even watch the tutorial and I can't remember what I was looking for. Must have figured it out in the end. So imagine my horror when this afternoon I received an email from one of the salespeople saying that he'd been unable to get hold of me on the phone. I'm working at home today and he'd like to schedule a quick call to better understand how to get the information I need. Firstly, thank God I wasn't at work to answer the phone. But now I'm in a panic. This person is clearly going to chase me about this issue. How can I put him off without sounding rude? His email ends. What is your availability this week for a quick call? I look forward to hearing from you. Words which fill me with dread. I eagerly await your advice. Block, block his, his phone number. <laughs> <laughs> you work in IT. I'm sure you can do something yeah. like that quite easily. Set an auto reply on your email saying that you've you've left the country, yeah. the company. Do some technical wizardry. Yeah, yeah. That that solves this problem. Mm. Yeah. What do you think? I think. I mean, it's fairly hellish. Mm. Um, but I mean. This might be the reason why you work in IT is you don't have to speak to people like this. Yes. Like you just want to be have your head buried in your computer, that's what I'm imagining. So I think it's very unfair of this person. To be honest, I would just, for me, it's port protocol, pretend it never happened. Just ignore, ignore, ignore until it goes away. <laughs> there we go. It's been a couple of weeks, but the port <laughs> protocol, I believe, making its first appearance of 2020. <laughs> And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner or a story, um, what was the topic you suggested before? Uh, making light of a situation and it falling flat. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or anything else you think would suit us. Uh, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Uh, the incidental music was by Emily Harrison. Man and the Echo provided the other music. That's what you're hearing at the moment. And I'll finish this week's podcast by saying, well... That'll be £30, please. <laughs> Adrift. Adrift. Podication time. This comes from Chesney, who says, Hello, Annabelle and Jeff. Hello. Hello. I am so excited to be writing this email. I was introduced to your podcast in the middle of November, the 18th, as it happens, and have spent just about every day since listening to episodes from the beginning. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you, Chesney. Uh, I can't make up for the years you were on the radio, but I am about as driftified as can be. Uh, except for all the extras you've posted on Patreon, which I signed up for today as I finally listened to the latest episode, almost on time. So I'll have to listen to those soon to be properly drifty. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't think the radio shows are there anymore if you go and try and get them. They were for a good while, but I think somebody emailed me asking about something recently and I had a look and I, I couldn't find them. So mm. you have to go and speak to the keeper of the vault. Ah, uh. 
the the keeper of the 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 archive. Yep. Joseph Gorsi, mm-hmm. if you want to get into all that. Um, not that I'd recommend it. I think you've done enough, yeah, Chesney, I'll think, be honest. Yeah, he'd be sick of it otherwise, yeah. yeah. Um, Chesney continues, aside from rewarding myself with a pledge on Patreon, I would like to request two publications from you to some lovely and important people in my life, if you'd be so kind. Please publicate an episode on either January the 22nd or 29th to the following people. Number one, my mum, Mary Beth, who became a Patreon supporter before me uh, because she did not have OCD driving her to finish the backlog of episodes before she could do so. Uh, she heard me listen to the podcast any number of days as it echoed around the house or in my car while running errands and i'm so glad she enjoys the stories as much as i do i am sure that she has some stories for you though it's anyone's guess if she'll send them in it was a birthday on the ninth yet she surprised me with a wonderful gift yesterday and i now have annabelle's book waiting on my table beside the couch to be read great she will of course read it after me or possibly before me uh, as i may wait to read the book aloud with a friend which brings me to the next person, Regal Baron Nick Caton. Would you say Caton or Caton? C-A-T-O-N. Caton. Caton. Let's go Caton then. He is the person. So there's a boy at my school called Matt Payton with a P. It's the same. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I just trust your, I trust anybody's instincts more than I trust my own. I can own. tell. Yeah, yeah. You say anything Compton love. Yes, it's definitely Caton. I don't know. It's probably Caton. Uh, he is the person who introduced me to your podcast, picking up on my inherent driftiness and knowing that I would enjoy hearing stories from my fellows. He previously sent you a story with a publication in episode 84, uh, which was where I started started my journey before sending myself all the way back to the beginning to properly listen. I met Nick back in May while on a trip through Europe. Unfortunately, on the last night uh, I was spending in Cheltenham. Cheltenham's not that bad, isn't it? <laughs> Cheltenham's nice. I don't think he means, unfortunately, Cheltenham. Oh, okay. Means, on the last, the last night. night. Okay, right. right. <laughs> I, was, I thought he was writing sort of, in all the places, oh, of all the places I could have met somebody, I ended up being Cheltenham. Uh, but I've kept in touch and we, and I'm very glad for it. He is the reason I hoped that you could read these out on one of the given dates. And why, why I may wait a bit to read my new book, as I'll be seeing him again for the last week in January. If you read this out on the 22nd, we'll be gearing up to start our holiday. But if you read it on the 29th, we'll hopefully be listening together from Iceland. Mm. I'm very excited to see him again and can only hope that I don't completely overwhelm him with my anxiety and general awkwardness. Though I'm sure as a regal baron, he will have the utmost grace in dealing with both. It'd be nice not to uh, to scare him away. I've got a good feeling about this trip to Iceland. Me too. I think you can revel in the uh, uncomfortable moments together. And you probably see the northern lights. Yeah, you get to go, go and see. Uh, I never know what to say. Not only do I not know to say Caton or Caton, mm. geezer or geyser. Ooh. Is yeah, it a geezer or is it a geyser? Definitely geezer. I don't know. Well, I think it's a geezer. But then I said geezer to my wife recently, and she she laughed at yeah, me. Yeah, but she's American. Of course. Ooh. Yeah, there is the the factor. Oh, I love Iceland so much. Went there last year. I've been there before as well, but it's mm. just I mean, it's like nowhere else on earth. People are great feel that in the Nordic countries, you know, and I feel there's a lot of drifty, drifteriness in the Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. I think they'll get you. I think, you know, these are people who keep themselves to the, very warm and friendly, but often keep themselves to themselves because they're afraid of putting a foot wrong in human interaction. Okay. This is my experience mm. with Swedes and to a lesser extent Finns 
and the Icelandic. Anything to contribute? Nothing. Okay. Um, that's all I have to say for now. I would share a story. I've been thinking of many as I've been listening. I've also, though, I've also been pleasantly surprised to realise that I'm not remembering too many. Not because I don't have a plethora, uh, just because my memory is much like yours, terrible. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Uh, I think I've rambled on long enough for now. The only last request I could think to make, if it wouldn't be too terrible, uh, too too much trouble, is that whatever title Annabelle sees fit to bestow upon me may be worthy of a week spent in the company of a regal baron. Well, he's already had it, and and so he knows it, and I've forgotten, but I think it's maybe something like a wise Mm, baron. I'm not sure. mm, mm. Anyway... You'll know, Chesney. You'll know. I really enjoyed that message. That I mean, it's just great to know that people still find the podcast and then mm. they go back and listen to them and recommend like the people. sound of Chesney, yes. like the two of them going off to Iceland. The mum. I wish I could go as well. Yeah. Um, is it too late? It's too late. Probably is too late, <laughs> yeah. and you know, uh, mm. it'd be difficult to get permission to leave my family. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I could just vanish. <laughs> And have been into gone into the woods. <laughs> oh, no, then I'll get the blame. <laughs> and this comes from uh, Kieran. I want to say Goal, but I mean this is G O H E L. Goal. Yes, yeah, Goal. Goal. Yeah, Goal. Goal. Uh, salutations, Annabelle and Jeff. Please, could I request a podication on or around the first of February for my wonderful partner and best friend Laura? Your podcast has been a constant companion in difficult times, and when I discovered adrift last year, it felt like greeting old friends. Mm. I'm happy to say that as of this Christmas, I am fully caught up with adrift. I've finally pulled my finger out and started Patreon patronage, oh. and have dragged Laura back into the fold. Mm. She's just discovered the true definition of unlucky. <laughs> uh, Laura and I got to know each other. In the late 2000s, after... Right, right, right. I was thinking the late 2000s. Are they writing from the future? <laughs> but I see what he means yeah, in that yeah. first decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody quite knows what to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, after finishing university, but each coming out of some awful life events meant it took over a year and a lot of Dutch courage on my part before I finally took the plunge and asked her out. We discovered we shared an odd sense of humour, bonding over Nicholas Cage's astonishing acting prowess and episodes of Green Wing, and Laura, being an early adopter, introduced me to my first glap experience. Drunk versus stoned. Uh, the la- Do you know what I wish? Mm. I wish that the ratings of that show that we'd done at that time were reflected in the amount of people who want to mention drunk versus stone TV. I mean, not that it was a flop, but it it was never like this huge thing, Mm. that show. Mm. But it does seem to be a thing that everybody always mentions out of almost everything I've ever done, really. Maybe it's like... um... What's that festival that like you, you didn't actually go to, but everyone says they did? Oh, I mean, I is it Woodstock or are you Woodstock. thinking of like the Sex Pistols at the Free Trade Hall I was in thinking, Manchester? I was thinking Woodstock, one as well. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the last few months have been tough for both of us as I have had to move away for work and we are slowly coming to terms with a new normal, moving to a new city. A new job is never easy for a drifter, but Laura has helped me keep my head above water and challenged me to be my best self even encouraging me to socialise, Shudder, when every fibre of my being was bending over backwards to come up with excuses. I love her so much and miss her immensely, but I know I don't say it enough. So thank you 
for helping me tell the universe that she is such an amazing, brilliant, talented and kind person and that I don't know what I'd do without her. We are off to Cumbria this weekend to celebrate 10 years since we first started down this path together and it is a source of constant joy to be able to look forward to the next 10 years ahead. Warmest regards, yours in awkwardness, with around two dozen rewrites. <laughs> so few. Uh, Kieran, lovely. I really enjoyed both, both of those. Yeah. Um, people finding each other. Mm-mm, it's a beautiful nice. thing. Drifters finding each other. Uh, so um, thank you for those. And if you would like a podication, I'll, ju- I'll just mention again that they were Kieran Goel. Goel? Mm-hmm. Goel. Um, for, for, for Laura. Did Laura have a surname? I can't remember. No. Uh, and um, and Chesney to the regal baron, Nick Catton-Caton. Catton-Caton would be a great double-barrel name. And to his mum, Mary Beth. Oh, of course, Mary Beth. Yeah. I was too busy thinking about Catton-Caton. <laughs> I mean, Nick, I, str- I have a strong feeling, as I say that, that, that you should do it. You should tell people your name is double-barrel name. Both words spelt the same, but pronounced differently. <laughs> Cat and That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, if you like a podication, you can email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.